Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I'm going to pick that up right where we left off as best I know how. Today, as in every message concerning the tongue, we're, we're doing a topical study. That means you need to get your Bible out, get your thumb wet, and go through these scriptures with us. We'll put them up here on the screen for those of you who need that. But I want you to get your Bible and mark these verses. Lots of scripture we're going to look at today. How many of you believe that people preaching the Word of God ought to preach from the Bible? Yes. Yeah, because it is the written Word of God. There's no difference in the Bible uh, talking to you than there is God Almighty showing up Himself, speaking to you with a face-to-face encounter. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 3 when it says that the Scriptures preach the gospel to Abraham. The Scriptures preach the gospel to Abraham. It's as clear as anything. Galatians 3, 8. Why don't you just go ahead and put that up there. And the Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. It's not up there yet, but it's someplace. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now hang on. The scriptures preach to Abraham. My question is, does anyone in the room have a bit of a chronological problem with that? Why, Dr. Stacy, do you have a problem with that? Yeah, 400 years later did Moses begin to pin down the scriptures as we know them. After Abraham was long gone. But it says here just the same that the scriptures preach to Abraham. That's what that says. It says it in every translation I've read. It says it in the Greek. It's what it says that the scriptures were preaching to Abraham. Wait just a minute. How could the scriptures be preached? I mean, scripture means graphe, written down. How, I mean, it comes from the Greek word graphe, which means written down. How could that happen? How could the scriptures preach to Abraham when they had not been written down, as far as we know, until 400 years after he was here? I would just want to remind you. The scriptures were written down only as a manifestation of the heart and word of God. Evidently, it was written on his heart and called the same thing that you call that book in your lap. The Bible is the word of God. Just I mean, all we ever saw in the scriptures about God talking to Abraham was usually face-to-face encounters with him or him just hearing this voice. Woo, hallelujah, but no difference in that. If people say, well, I I just wish the Lord would speak to me. Hey, 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 he's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you right now. That book is speaking to you right now. The Word of God was sent to you. It is the measure of faith for you. You say, I wonder what that means. How do I measure whether I have the measure of faith? I wonder if this guy has it, that guy. No, 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 no. That book is the seed bag of the Word of God, and that means that there's faith in it. There's faith in it for you. The measure of that God's going to deal to every man has already been dealt when He dealt you the Word. Hallelujah. When He gave you that Bible, it is the Word of God for you today. Hallelujah. High five somebody say, I'm glad to be in church. Whew. Mm, 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 mm. So, today we're going to be talking about what to do with this tongue. How, how, how are we going to go about taming this tongue? Remember we said that, the, that the, uh, the tongue is not a domestic animal. It cannot be trained once and that's it. I had an old pony that I, I, I at one time did not ride him for about 18 months. 
18 months. I got another horse and started paying more attention to it, and I just let the old fat one run in the grass, you know, and he just got fatter and fatter. Finally, one day I thought, I had better catch that old horse up and ride him. Called him a pony. He was really a horse. And I, I, I got him up, and do you know what? He was a little stiff, and he was a little cantankerous, but for the most part, he remembered pretty much everything I'd ever taught him. Because he's a domestic animal, they can be trained, they can be broke and fixed kind of once and for all. Hmm. Zebras can't. <laughs> what, makes them, what makes an animal wild is that they can't be trained and it stick. Virtually every day you've got to redo it. Nearly every day you've got to redo it. That's why people have lions for pets. And you know, somewhere down the line, the lion, somewhere down the way, the lion winds up eating them. <laughs> or eating part of them, uh, that, that's because they cannot really be domesticated. They are wild animals. They're, 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 just, they're just not built for it. They're just not built for it. Mostly they don't have good memory. Did you hear me? Mostly they don't have good memory. But all through the Scriptures, the Bible teaches us, remember the things you've been taught. Remember, remember, remember. God expects you to remember what you've been taught. Where, I, where you get into trouble, where we've all gotten into trouble in our lives, just, rem, just think about it. Think back. Think back on, on, on the things that you've gotten in trouble in is probably because you forgot what you were taught. Amen. Forgot what your mama said. Yeah. Did you hear about those two boys in the foxhole? You know, I mean, shells just going right over the top of their head. And they're down there praying. And one of them says, man, it's times like this. I wish I'd have listened to my mama. And the other one said, why? What'd she say? He said, I don't know. I didn't listen. Well... <laughs> Most of the time you get in trouble because, because you forgot or you didn't hear it in the first place. You can, though, or you wouldn't be commanded. We would not be commanded in Scripture over and over and over and over to remember. Remember. How do you remember something? The best way to charge your memory to, re to remember this is to say it with your mouth. Say it with your mouth. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Take no thought. Take no thought for tomorrow, saying, Where shall we go or what shall we eat? What shall we do? It's kind of a paraphrase. He said, Take no thought, saying. He just told you how you take a thought. How you take a thought is by saying it. You take a thought by saying it. You can't keep thoughts from coming into your mind. Whether they're generated by your own silliness or your own desires or whether the devil brings them, you can't always stop a, a thought from popping into your head. Some of you are having thoughts of, of, of you know, dinner right now popping into your head. You, you, can't always, you can't always stop that from happening. You can't always stop it from happening. But, uh, but you can stop it from becoming part of your life by what you say about what pops in your head. It's not that which goes into a man that defiles him it's that which comes out of a man that defiles him Jesus said it's not the thoughts you have that's not the problem it's what you say with them you see everyone in the room has had doubts I don't even have to ask you everybody in the room has had doubts I'll ask this is there anybody in this room who has never had a doubt not one hand up because we've all had doubts what separates the men from the boys concerning faith though is this having doubt is one thing everyone has had doubts but you turn that doubt into unbelief the moment you take the thought with your mouth and start talking that doubt. 
When you talk that doubt, it becomes unbelief. That is unbelief. Unbelief is a bad thing. It's, it's, it's worse than not having faith. It's undoing whatever faith was there. It's unbelieving. It's the uncola. It's the opposite of. It takes you the wrong direction. If, if you say your doubts, if you speak your doubts, whatever faith you had working, it just undid it. And the Bible puts these two things together. Doubt is one thing. Doubt is passive. But unbelief is aggressive. And you take thought when you say it. You take a thought when you say it. There's some things you just need to not say. If you can't say something that God says. Now see, and here, here I find folks all the time. Oh well, yeah, verse 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. This is Matthew 6, 34. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day uh, is the evil there. But that's not exactly the, the verse I was looking for. But it says, he says, take no thought saying, where shall we go? What shall we do? Where shall we eat? Where shall we, how we would be clothed? Now follow me here. I find people all the time who say they believe in miracles and who say they're standing in faith. There's the one, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? I find folks all the time in my, in my ministry and life and just, just interacting with folks as, as Miss Ann and I do oftentimes. Not so much in this church, but we have, we have lots of contacts with other people in other churches and at the Bible college and what have you. And I find folks all the time saying, well, she believed with all her heart. I said, what's she believe in? She believed in healing. I said, why? Why did she believe in healing? Listen, you can do what we call believing based on somebody else's experience. Because your grandma, you knew your grandma got saved. And you knew your grandma got filled with the Holy Ghost. And you knew your grandma got healed. And you can believe it on the basis of what happened to grandma. And have all kinds of faith in grandma's healing. And you can say, well, God did it for her. He'll do it for me. You can say that and die of a dreaded disease. Because that's not really based on scripture. Whew, got quiet in here. That's not really based on scripture. That's based on somebody else's experience. And you will never build your faith hearing from somebody else's experience. You build your faith one way. Faith comes one way by hearing the word of God. One way doesn't come by hearing about grandma's testimony. What a wonderful, encouraging thing, but it's not how you're going to build your faith. You're going to build your faith by hearing that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with, this is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. There you just heard the word of God. You just heard it. Faith just came to you if you desire to receive it. If you want to receive it, it just came to you right there. It did not come to you because I told you about grandma. Now, I may tell you about grandma getting healed to back up this word that's being preached to you and that might help you see it. But if all you do is say, well, grandma believe, grandma believe, grandma believe, or whoever is your hero in faith is, listen, that's not going to cause faith to come to you. It's going to make you wish real big. It's going to make you wish real big that you were as good as grandma. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your wishes up. Get your hopes up even. But faith will only work when the Word's working in you. When the Word of God's working in you. Now let's read some other scripture. 
But it will work in you. It will work in you. Now, I know some of you right here are struggling with diseases, fighting diseases. You're doing everything you know to do. And that's why I preach like this, because I want you well. I believe God wants you well, so I want you well. But no, I command every person in the building that if you've been fighting with this disease, you've been standing in faith for, uh, against this disease, do not, do not let the devil put you under condemnation today because I'm not condemning anybody who's been sick. I have, I've had issues that I've dealt with for many years, standing in faith, confessing the word of God. I refuse to give up. I will never give up. I will never act like I'm not healed. I will never, ever give in. Don't you ever give in. Don't you ever give in to the devil. But don't ever get under condemnation because you're having a struggle with things or because you're in the middle of a fight. Don't get under condemnation when you hear this message. And it is the trick of the devil to take it and say, well, I guess Pastor John just saying I don't have anything. I'm not saying any, sort of, any such thing. I'm saying that when you arrive at the moment that, uh, in your faith that's bigger than this trial you're going through, you'll get through it, glory to God. You'll come out victorious. That's why I keep preaching it this way because I hate sickness. I've been sick. I've been so sick, I had temperature skyrocketing as a kid. Had pancreatitis, the kind of thing that kills people. I've been sick. Not one moment of that was that a blessing. Not one moment of that was a blessing. It was demonic from the day it started until the day it left. It was demonic. God doesn't send sickness to help anybody. Oh, you know, God just, he knows. Yeah, listen, you might learn something out of a sickness, but it wasn't God's way of teaching you. God's grace teaching you. What God wants you to learn about sickness is you're supposed to overcome it. And may I say to you, if you need to go to the doctor to get help to overcome that sickness, you go on and go to the doctor and get help to overcome that thing. You hear me? That doctor's working on God's side. We're all in the healing business here. Amen. Don't get mad at the doctor because you go to him and get some help and he says some negative things. But he's just going to tell you what he knows. All he's doing is giving you information about how you can better fight with the Word of God. Don't expect him to say it. You say it. Can I get a good amen here? Woo! Hallelujah! If you need to go get sewed up, you go get sewed up. If you need to go get something cut off, go get it cut off. If you need, you need a pill, take the pill. But keep your faith engaged. Can I have a better amen in this faith house? Keep your faith engaged. I've had outright miracles happen to me. But you know, there have been a few times when I was hurting bad. And I went to Dr. Cook over here. And he prays. And I know he prays. And he lays those hands on me. And he lays them on me suddenly. <laughs> oh, boy. I felt blood rushing to my head. Huh? Crack. Snap! It never hurts you, though. It never hurts anybody. Is that what you want me to say? Never hurts. So, fire that chiropractor you got and go see Dr. Cook. He won't ever. He won't ever hurt you. I mean, he won't ever mean to. Let me say it that way. He won't ever. Mean. <laughs> but I, I don't like putting my hands and my, my life in the hands of people who don't who don't believe God. But, you know, if you're going to get a doctor's help, you ask him where he stands in faith. If he's, if he's an infidel, you might ought to look for another doctor. <laughs> All right. All right. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Take, don't take any thought saying. Oh, how are we going to, there's not one ounce of faith in that question. Questions, listen to me, questions do not carry faith. For the most part, 
Questions carry unbelief. Statements carry faith. The very first question out of the devil's mouth is, Hath God said? Unbelief. Neve thought, Wow, what a strange sensation. I've never had that, I've never had that sensation before. Hath God said? What a strange sensation. I'm having something called, I'm going to call this doubt. I'm going to call this doubt. And pretty soon she's talking. When she's talking this doubt, an unbelief takes hold of her. And of course Adam sinned too. I'm of the firm opinion that Adam could have spared her. They could have had children and Cain wouldn't have had to be a, wouldn't have had to have been a, a sinner. See, you're not a sinner because Eve sinned. You're all born sinners. Born sinners. You're not sinners if you're born again. But that first time you got born, you were born, conceived, and born in sin. I know those babies look perfect. But you just wait till they're in your house at 2 o'clock in the morning. And need changing or feeding. They're going to let you know just what kind of sinner they are. Because everything's all about them, right? That's just in us. To be selfish and to self preserve ourselves well uh, I, I had a guy arguing with me about that one time he didn't have any kids and he said no he said sin is a learned process I said you only say that because you don't have any children when you get babies you'll believe you'll believe that people are born sinners and the reason for that is not because of Eve Eve fellas I, I really hate to tell you this but it wasn't Eve's fault the soil does not produce anything without a seed in it the soil does not produce anything without a seed in it. And the soil doesn't even dictate what grows there. The seed dictates what grows there. The seed dictates. And that's why when Adam became a sinner and Adam sowed a seed, all he could produce was sinners. And that's why the cure is not to just sign up and start going to church and tithing, although that's not a bad idea to do. I mean, if you, if you not, don't want to get saved, but you just want to join the church and tithe, we'll allow you to do that. But we'd really prefer that you go to heaven with us. We'd really prefer that you get born again. Amen. Amen. Oh, I can't believe that preacher said he'd take money from sinners. Are you kidding? Take the devil's money and win souls with it? Are you kidding? Sure would do that. Sure we do that. But we prefer that everybody gets born again. And the cure for that first birth is a second birth. Death was what was holding us. I mean, we couldn't, we could that first birth took us into death. I mean, we were born in death, born separated from God. That's why Jesus had to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to die. Have you heard the gospel lately? Christ died. For our sins, according to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is not just the centerpiece of our, of our gospel. It is the gospel. It's all about Christ and your faith in him. I believe he died for my sins. Therefore, I'm not having to pay for him. He was buried. That means he went into hell and everybody who had died in sin before him, died in faith rather, before him, they all came out too. Glory be to God. He emptied that place called Abraham's bosom. That not anybody who dies in faith that Jesus is going to leave in hell. And the Bible says that, 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 that hell could not hold him. Hades is the word. Amen. Acts chapter 2. 
It says the book of Acts has the word hell in it two times. And both times it's talking about that God would not leave Jesus' soul in hell. Brought him out. Glory be to God. And then and Acts chapter 2 is where it's in there both times. And when he, when he came out, then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That means, here's what it means. In Romans chapter 5. It says in verse 8, But God demonstrated His love toward us in in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And I love verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, everybody shout, much more. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved because he's alive. Hallelujah. How many of you believe, how many believe you are reconciled to God? Let me see your hands. You are, I, say, say it with your mouth. I am reconciled to God. As surely as you can say that, then you can say, I shall be saved because he's alive. I shall be saved because he's alive. This is not a hope so deal. This is what we know to be true. We shall be saved because he's alive. Hallelujah. If I know I'm reconciled, if I know I have been reconciled, then I know I shall be saved because he's alive. Woo! I hope I'm generating faith in you today because you're hearing the word. If you receive this, listen, if you can get on top of your mind, you can get on top of your tongue, and you get on top of the way you think by faith. You get on top of the way you think by faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Let's turn there, please. I told you we had a lot of scripture to cover today. Now, this is all sort of preliminary. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed By repentance. By renewing your mind. And repentance means metanoia, to change your mind. This is true repentance. Saying I'm sorry is not necessarily true repentance. Weeping and moaning about your sin doesn't mean that you've repented. It means you've arrived at about where Judas was. Changing the way you think impresses God. That's metanoia. That's real repentance. And right here he says, you transform your whole life. You transform your whole life by transforming the way you think. You get it renewed. Glory. Be not conformed to this world. Well, I don't know. The the world is so evil and it's creeping in on the church. Hey, 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 hey. Stop that. Stop that. Change the way you think. Just change the way you think. The world's not creeping in on anything. It's roaring at us. It's rushing at us in great tides. And, it, and when people act like they can win, that that world and that devil that runs this world can win, they start, oh, I don't know. What's God going to do? There's a question, see. There's no faith in that, whatever. Oh, I, I don't know how it's all going to turn out. Well, I know how it's going to turn out. I read the end of the book. Our side wins. But, but we can't go around talking like a bunch of losers. Hallelujah. Oh, did you know that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world? Well, I don't care how many religions grow. Ours is not a religion at all. I didn't, hear, I didn't come here to compete. I came here to take over. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You will never know the will of God until you start thinking like God. You'll never know the will of God until you get your mind thinking like God thinks. And God never ever thinks, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Can you imagine? God, oh, oh, look how dark it is. I wish somebody would do something about that darkness. So dark. Oh, oh pray for me, angels, because I, I don't know what we're going to do about this darkness. No, 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 no. I need some agreement against this darkness. No, 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 no. Got a prayer request I want to turn in for the darkness. No. Uh-uh. Call a pastor, there's darkness. No. How'd God act toward darkness? He didn't even address it. Didn't even talk about it. He talks about what he wanted. Let there be light. And you walk out in that backyard. And that dog's not there. The first thing on your mind is not to run back in the house and say, Oh, honey, oh, honey, honey, our dog is gone. Oh, my goodness, my dog is gone. My dog is, my doggone dog is gone. (laughs) That's not what you do. When the dog is gone, the first thing you do is go, Here, come here, boy. Fido, come. Down in Louisiana, that's spelled P-H-Y-D-E-A-U-X. Fido. Here, Fido, come. You're calling for what you don't have. Turn to Romans 4, 17. Turn to Romans 4, 17. Let's turn to Romans 4, 13. Romans 4, 13 and start there. I'm going to take you through a little bit of exposition here, if I may. For the promise that he, Abraham, should be the heir of the world. That name, Abraham, father of a multitude of nations, was a synonym for heir of the whole world. Did you know that? Multitude of nations meant that God was going to give him all nations. Because that's what it says right here. If you don't understand the Bible, read Paul. He'll teach you the Bible. The only guy in the book, the only guy, not Peter, not James, not John. The only guy in the book that said, follow me as I follow Christ was Paul. If you're following Paul, you're following Jesus. Can I have a better amen in this house? For the promise, because he got a revelation nobody else had. For the promise that he should be, Abraham should be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Didn't come to them through the law, but through the righteousness which comes from faith. Through the righteousness of faith, verse 14. For if they which are of the law are heirs, faith is nothing. Faith is made void, and the promise is of none effect. The promise means nothing if you can get it by the law. Because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Where the law is, there's no transgression. Where there is no law, there's no transgression. We were babysitting one time. I've told you all these stories. Babysitting some of our kids, our kids, kids, our grandchildren one time. And, uh, you know, uh, when their dad came back in, it was Brandon down in Austin. When, when he came back in, he said, Daddy, how were they? I said, what do you mean, how were they? These kids are perfect. He said, yeah, I understand. I said, no, Brandon, I mean that. Your children never do anything wrong. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. 
And he said, well, Dad, there's a reason for that. I said, what is that? He said, it's impossible to do anything wrong in a place where there are no rules. <laughs> so, I mean, when unconditional love kicks in, who, who needs rules? That's what that just said to us. Where there is no law, there's no transgression. It's impossible to do anything wrong in a place where there are no rules. Therefore, it is a faith <coughs> that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure. I don't know about you, but I'm part of a household of faith where I have the promises made sure to me. I, it's not a guess. It's not a hope so deal. Oh, oh, I'm just going to cling. Just, just, just clinging. Just holding on to the horns of the altar, hoping I make it to heaven. That's not me. That's not Christianity. Christ died for nothing if you've got to hold on to the horns of the altar to try to get to heaven. Can I have a better amen in this house? Christ died for your sins. Your faith is in Him, and you have a surety, the promise that it might be sure to all the seed. Now, not that it's a hope so deal, but that it might be sure to all the seed. Oh, not to the Baptist seed, not to the Methodist seed, not to the Pentecostal seed, not to the Catholic seed, all the seed, and they're in every denomination. Somebody shout yes. yes. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, God said, I have made thee, Abraham, a father of many nations, meaning all nations, heir of the world, and before him whom he believed, even God, Abraham believed God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were... <laughs> Hear Fado! Hear Fado! Hear healing! Hear righteousness! Hear peace! Hear joy! Hear money! It's mine! Come back to me! Glory! Cause those things that be not as though they were. That's why right sitting here, if you're not born again today, right sitting here right now in your sin, in all the filth and degradation of your life, you're not going to have to get cleaned up to come to Christ. What you do while you're yet in your sin, He died for you yet in your sin, you call Jesus Lord of your life and righteousness comes. Glory to God. Righteousness comes. Without you doing a thing to earn it. Because you call for it in Jesus' name. Woo! Maybe you haven't heard the gospel this week, but you heard it right there. <sighs> Calls those things that be not as though they were. Now, everything about our tongue doesn't like this. Because it's connected to what part of you? Your emotions, how it feels. You got the tongue out here. You got your life back here. And the knuckle between them or the hinge between them is your emotions. That's why that thing's untamable. Emotions cannot reason. They can only feel. And because the emotions wag the tongue... Don't look so religious. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Tick, 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 squash. <laughs> the tongue has an opinion right there. Tick, 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 squash. Hit the wrong nail. The tongue has something it desperately wants to say right there. 
It doesn't want to say, oh, glory be to God. Unless you've learned to dominate on a daily basis. Unless you've learned to dominate on a daily basis. Because if you don't dominate on a daily basis, that thing will run wild with you. I mean, it'll run clear around the track before you can get the saddle on it. <laughs> Anybody ever have your zebra run around the track before you got the saddle on it? Come on, yeah. A few honest people in the room. Verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope. What he's saying is, when there was no hope. When there was no hope, he still believed. He still had hope. There was no hope, but he still had hope. And believed in the hope that he had, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Let me say to you, he did not do this for 24 years and 19 years, actually. No, he did this for three months. This is not talking about what Abram did. This is not talking about, Ab about what Abram did. This is talking about what Abraham did. How many of you know the same guy? How many of you know it's really two different guys? Yeah, same guy but two different guys. Showing you that you are the same person you always were. But when you got born again, you're not really the same person you always were. <laughs> it's you, but it's not you. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm not really who you think I am. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not really who you think I am. I go back home to my hometown and I meet up with people who knew me back when. You know how they look at you. They think you're still that other person, but they, they hear another person. They, they hear somebody they don't know talking. Huh? Because when that potter had the clay on the wheel and was molding it in Jeremiah... It says there was a flaw in it, and it marred in the potter's hand. And when that pot became useless for the master and the potter, it says he did something with that pot. Now, I don't know what you're going to do with a cracked pot or a marred pot, but you might be able to patch it, but it's still going to show the crack. I did one this this week, Miss Ann bought a new pot and she broke it. I didn't break it. Miss Ann broke it. Usually I would be the one to break it, or at least in the past, but she broke it and I had to fix it. So I patched it. Still see the crack in it though. Because I can't do what that potter in the Bible could do. And it's the most interesting wording there. It says, He made it again. Another. He made it again. Is it it? Or is it another? Is it the same one? Or is it something altogether different? Yeah. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. He didn't throw you away just because you sinned. He didn't throw humanity away. He didn't just kill Adam on the spot. He had a plan to get humanity back on that wheel and make us again another. You need to tell some of your friends, you may think I'm what I used to be, but I'm not what I used to be. I've been made again another. 
I used to live under guilt and condemnation and sickness and poverty and all that other stuff. That's what I was. But now I'm another. God's answer, God's answer to your self-destructive ways is to just die and become a new creature. His answer is for you to be made again another. You still look in that mirror and look like you. Don't you? I mean, I have a lot less hair than I had back then. <laughs> but you're still you. <laughs> Miss Ann keeps one picture of me when I was in a rock and roll band with all that hair out there, you know. <laughs> just a reminder that I'm not it. <laughs> I'm another. Amen. There it is, Jeremiah 18. And the vessel that he made of the clay was marred in the, in the hand of the potter, so he made it again. Another vessel. Wow. What a great thought here. Mm. Now, if we're going to get someplace with this, it's going to be because we stop practicing what we preach and start preaching what we practice. If you're going to have it, if you're going to have it stick for you, you've got to stop practicing what you preach and preach what you practice. That is, take this to the streets. Take this to your home. Take this to your families and to your workplaces. And spend a week. Spend one week without complaining about anything. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Uh, <clears throat> wow, man, it went quiet in this full gospel church. Spend one week without complaining about anything. It still was quiet. I'm trying to get one amen. I just want one amen. Spend one week without complaining about anything. All right. Wow. It's like I'm shooting you with a slingshot or something. Bam. Spend one week without complaining about anything. And spend one week, the same week, Trying to find something good about every person you meet and say it to them. Yeah. Or about it, not, not, not everybody you pass on the street, but you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that you have any time with, whatever, try to find one thing good about them and say it to them. Amen. Ooh. Oh, glory. Man, I can see them zebras kicking and <laughs> rearing and bucking. And <laughs> Get that saddle off me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And over your circumstances, over your life, tame that tongue and say what God said. Jesus has already given us the power to tame that tongue. I mean, tame it every day. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, it's connected to your emotions. So your emotions go by how it feels. So the tongue's connected to it. It's going to just flare off and say whatever it wants to say unless you every day take charge. So faith confesses it to enter into it. Faith confesses it. To enter into whatever that thing is. Uh, Romans chapter 5 says that we stand by faith in this grace. And so and Romans chapter 10 says that, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be delivered. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, so faith confesses the thing and that brings you right in. Whether it's grace, whether it's healing, whether it's the prosperity that God has planned for you. 
Faith will bring you into it. I was uh, listening to one of my favorite preachers here a while back, and uh, he told a story of a friend of his, a pastor friend of his, Happy Caldwell. He and uh, Charles Capps and Happy Caldwell were out on, out on a boat fishing. And Charles Capps, he said, once I got a hold of this, and he loved to fish, you know, he said, once I got a hold of this, this, this message of the confession of faith, he said, I, st- I, started, I, I started catching more fish. And he said, I'd go out there and I'd take dominion over the fish and say, I will have, I'll have my limit or whatever. He just named however many he wanted. He said, I just started catching more fish. It just, my, my, my fishing just went up and consequently everybody wanted to go fishing with me. You don't want to fish somebody who doesn't know how to catch fish, do you? I mean, if you've got to go fishing, you want to be able to catch some fish. Had Happy Caldwell out there and Happy had a lure, you know. He pitched it out there and the, the fish got a hold of the lure and snapped his line and got away with it. Got away with his bait. And uh, Happy said, oh, my, what am I going to do without that? That's my favorite lure. And uh, Charles said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but if it was me, I'd tell that fish to spit that lure up. Give it back to me. Take dominion over him. And he said, Happy raised his eyebrows and said, well, okay. He said, fish, I command you to spit my lure back up and give it back to me. And so they went on fishing. Said it went about 50 yards uh, away from that spot. And then turned and went 50 yards another direction. And they're out there fishing and fishing. Of course, Happy had tied another lure on his, on his line, and he had it out there. And about that time, Charles said, I heard a splash right behind the boat. He said, I turned around and looked. And he said, there was that lure floating on top of the water. <laughs> he said, said Happy, there, there's your lure. That fish had followed him 100 yards to give it back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can talk about what you don't have, or you can talk about what you do have and what you do want. Miss, Miss Ann uh, admonished us this morning to give thanks for what we, for what we uh, do have. But I tell you, I want you to start giving thanks for what's yet to come. Call those things as be not. Give thanks for it like you already have it. Amen. You give, you give thanks for it like you've already... See, you give thanks for it like you've already got it. It, it, it makes, makes the Lord uh, seem obligated. You've already, you've already given the thanks, and it hadn't been delivered yet. What just happened? The Lord just, you just obligated the Lord, and he likes that. Don't misunderstand. You're not twisting his arm. You're just blessing him. He wants to give things to a thankful people. If you'll thank him for it before you see it, before you receive it, like you've already got it, glory, hallelujah, God will be indebted to no man. He's going to get that thing to you on short order. Speedily, one scripture says, he's going to answer speedily, the thing that you need. I want to ask you to bow your heads just for a minute. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.